UGA Football News presents today's sports report with Matthew Hall. On today's sports report, we'll talk about University of Georgia football and more. Today's sports report is brought to you by Happy Sewing and Quilting, offering products that will help you show your bulldog pride. Hall Shots Photography, going above and beyond to provide pristine and professional photography for all of life's greatest moments, plus many other fine sponsors. And now, here's your host of today's sports report, Chris Hall. Well, it's well, it's good to have you with us uh, today as uh, we come in for today's sports report with Matthew Hall. I'm uh, Chris Hall, your host. Good to have you with us on our program uh, today, and uh, we look forward to having a very special guest with us in just a moment. And we'll be talking to Mike Farrell from uh, Rivals.com, and we'll be talking a little recruiting. Uh, for uh, uh, specifically for Georgia football, but uh, recruiting across the nation as well. And, of course, we'll be uh, taking a, just a quick look back at last week's game between uh, Georgia and South Carolina. And we'll be talking about the up to, uh, upcoming game uh, between uh, Georgia and Vanderbilt. And uh, so the season continues to go. Uh, Georgia actually coming up to the last ga- last scheduled game of its season. Of course, uh, there'll be that reschedule of that game uh, between uh, Georgia and Missouri, and uh, we're still waiting to find out when exactly that game will be played. But, Matthew, good to have you with us today uh, in South Georgia, where we're uh, broadcasting from. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yes, it is. Great to be with everyone today. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Looking forward to, uh, you know, to Georgia's next contest as well. Yeah, we, we had a great uh, Thanksgiving with uh, family. Ate too much, but then we watched football and everything was okay. Well, let's talk just a tad, just quickly, about uh, the game last week between South Carolina and Georgia. Of course, Georgia winnings 45-16. to 16. Uh, Georgia, the uh, week before, was held to uh, just eight rushing yards against Mississippi State, but the Bulldogs showed out on the ground, rushing for 332 yards against South Carolina. JT Daniels, in his second start, had a, a very productive game. Of course, he didn't have to pass as much as he did against Mississippi State uh, in the South Carolina game. He completed 10 of 16 passes, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. He did give up his first interception of the season, but it probably was not his fault, that interception. So Georgia with a big win over South Carolina, 45-16. A couple of notes from that game. Uh, Georgia's senior offensive guard Ben Cleveland was named the Southeastern Conference Offensive Lineman of the Week following that game. Ben had a great game. In fact, this is the second time this year that he's been named the offensive lineman of the week in the SEC. And Ben had a uh, just a, a great game. He had uh, five knockdown blocks. He missed no assignments, graded out at 90%, uh, played uh, 48 snaps against uh, the Gamecocks. So uh, you go, Ben, and we love the guys in the trenches. Uh, they don't get the attention that the quarterbacks, running backs, or wide receivers often get, and even the defensive backs But, man, where would we be without that offensive line and defensive line for Georgia? A couple of other notes quickly. Dewan Mathis, who started the year, of course, as the starting quarterback for Georgia, uh, has uh, gone into the uh, NCAA transfer transfer portal. Dewan, just a great guy, had uh, some difficult medical issues, of course. 
uh, and we hope him well. We wish he, he will uh, get to a situation where he can really shine. He's got great talent, great ability. Hate to see him go, but he kind of reads the handwriting on the wall with the emergence of JT Daniels and uh, the quarterback situation, and he's a gamer. He wants to play. And so uh, 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 Dwan Mathis uh, going into the portal. And uh, just one other thing, Greg McGarity, uh, at the end of this month, uh, who is the athletic director for Georgia, will officially step down as the athletic director at Georgia. His deputy, Josh Brooks, is taking over on an interim basis. And it could be that Brooks, who is 40 years of age, uh, has a lot of support to get the job permanently, especially if Carla Williams, a former, uh, another former Georgia deputy AD, is content at remaining in Virginia as the athletic director there. So a lot of news on and off the field, uh, Matthew, last week. Uh, having to do with the University of Georgia. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, Brooks has uh, been there for a while. Uh, McGarity, of course, a uh, long traditional history being at Georgia as athletic director. Uh, matter of fact, he's gone through a lot of ups and downs uh, in his position as athletic director there, and there have been cries for him to be, you know, removed at times. But uh, Josh Brooks, uh, definitely, you know, second in command, been there for a while. I think that uh, – you know, will be taking over on the interim basis. He does a good job. I've actually met him before personally. Does a great job there uh, at handling the facilities and the operations and whatnot. So I, I look for him to, you know, to put his name in the hat. And he's got a good chance, I believe, to get it. All right. Well, let, let's get to our very special guest on our uh, podcast today. It is our great pleasure to welcome in Mike Farrell from Rivals.com. Mike is the national recruiting analyst and director for Rivals.com otherwise known as the godfather of recruiting. And so, Mike, it is good to have you with us today on today's Sports Report with Matthew Hall. And how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing absolutely great. Now, you know, what we do around here since 2020 has been kind of weird is we do a lot of check-ins with our neighbors, make sure our neighbors are doing well and everybody is okay and when we have a guest call in to uh, today's sports report we always do a health check-in so tell me mike how have uh, how have you fared and your your family fared uh, during this weird year of 2020 uh, it's been it's been a little different obviously i travel a lot and i haven't been able to do that through my job but uh beyond that you know just adjusting to the different recruiting landscape that we're dealing with um you know a lot of uh, film evaluation as opposed to in-person evaluations and you know, day-to-day life, I work from home anyways, yeah. so it doesn't affect me that much. Um, but I would like it then. I mean, it would be nice <laughs> if this could, you know, get back to normal sometime soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Of course, 2020, obviously, and uh, you know, it's redundant to say it has been just a different kind of year. Tell me, I, I know there's been restrictions on in-home visits and visits from prospects to campuses across the uh, country. And, uh, you know, in, in Georgia, where we are, uh, we're in full-fledged uh, football mode. Uh, I, uh, very few schools opted out of playing football. I'm talking about high schools in Georgia. 
And so it's been kind of normal as a high school football season uh, can be in 2020 in the state of Georgia. We have uh, the teams on the fields and and, uh, we have fans in the stands. Of course, there are restrictions and uh, there's controls to try to help uh, mitigate any kind of situation coming up with the COVID-19. But how has 2020 affected recruiting across the nation from your perspective? Um, It's been difficult uh, for the kids. Uh, You know, they, they a few of them have been able to get out to visits, but they're not hosted visits. So they're just they're seeing campus and, and they're watching games, but they're not having any contact with the coaches. So most of the relationships uh, that have been built have been built prior to the shutdown in March. Um, and, you know, through Zoom and, and video and text and, and DMs and all that stuff. So it's been interesting for a lot of them. Some of them are committed to schools they've never visited, uh, which is the first time in 25 years I've been doing this that that's ever happened and and that will be you know one of those things we're gonna have to see if the transfer portal blows up in a couple of years um, you know because when you do have kids coming from Florida going to Oklahoma or from North Carolina going to Ohio you know um, they may not like it uh, or they may not feel comfortable and and they haven't had an opportunity to visit there and and see if they uh, you know relate with the coaches or not so that's been the biggest challenge Um, a lot of uninformed decisions compared to previous years will occur. Um, you know, informed as, as much as they can be, but compared to the amount of data that they could get from visiting constantly and, and, and having in-home visits and going on official visits, this class has really been robbed of that opportunity. So um, the, the things I take away from it, roster management is going to be difficult because uh, everybody got, you know, the extra year last year for the NCAA. Um, and the transfer portal is going to be very active. Um, I, and, and my understanding is now that the the NCAA is giving everyone a mulligan on eligibility, so mm-hmm. even seniors from this year could return in twenty twenty one. Is that correct? Yes, but they haven't they haven't discussed the eighty five player scholarship. Uh, it, so yeah. I don't know how you fit all that in. So you know your good players. Your really good players are going to go off to the NFL if they're eligible. Right. Um, and, and then you've got those juniors, seniors, and 50-year seniors, you know, that you have to have conversations with. If they want to come back. Do you want them back? There's a lot of difficult decisions that need to be made there that are more difficult because of this extra year of eligibility. Before, you could always say, well, you know, I mean, you're done. That's it. You had your five years or four years. and Yeah. Uh, good luck to you in your career. Um but now there's going to be kids wanting to come back and there's not going to be roster spots for them. Uh, and nobody's reducing the recruiting class numbers. I mean, these are all still classes over 20. Yeah. So it's going to be a mess. Um, and hmm. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do. Now they could always come in and say, well, okay, for just the, the, the interim for, for a year or two years, we can go a hundred scholarship players, but some schools can't afford that. So right. it, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a difficult thing. I think they they kind of pulled the trigger on allowing that extra year of eligibility too soon, yeah. um, and they did that when they thought that there weren't there wasn't going to be a fall football season. Um, and now you know we've had a fall football season, and now I don't think they know what to do. Yeah, well, there is across the board. Uh, there's a lot of us who do do not know what to do. 
with the year of 2020. Well, uh, you know, our program is specifically uh, targeted in on the University of Georgia. So if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about uh, Georgia recruiting. Uh, Georgia yesterday got a big recruit, uh, Tyree West, out of Tifton, Georgia, for the 2022 uh, class, but but talk a little bit about Georgia. I, I think you guys have got them ranked at what number seven right now nationally. Uh, how's Georgia doing uh, this year in recruiting? Um, you know, Georgia's won the recruiting title for us uh, the last three years, so the expectations are extremely high. Seven is good, and they've still got room in this class. Um, but it'll be the first year in, in in three years that they won't finish number one. I think that's going to uh, go to Alabama. Uh, they have a tremendous class that they put together here. They're number one, and it's almost an insurmountable lead, you know, barring some surprises. There's a few schools that will move up. I mean, I think Georgia will move from seven into that three range with uh, f- battling LSU for three or four. Right. Um, you know, Ohio State will probably stay number two. But it's a good recruiting class. I mean, you know, you can't finish number one every year. Um, they've got the quarterback that they needed in the Brock Vandegrift. Um, that was extremely important because he had originally committed Oklahoma, so they ended up getting him back. The offensive line has been addressed very, very well, and that'll continue that offensive line tradition there. Um, and on the defensive side, you know, they needed to replenish um, their defensive backs, and they've got some really good ones there as well. So uh, it's a class overall, you know, top seven, top, top three or four, when, they, when they're done is, is absolutely excellent. And I think the one area of concern for, you know, Georgia fans is the wide receiver position. Now, Jermaine yeah. Burton has looked great, and he's been a bit of a surprise coming across the country and being so good so quick. Yeah. Um, you know, Pickens has obviously lived up to the hype as a five-star. Uh, they didn't kill it in wide receiver this year. So some of these guys, and they're big receivers, they've only got a couple of them. LaDonna Mitchell out of Nashville and Jackson Meeks out of Alabama will have to surprise and step up. Um, and they need to use the tight end more. They just don't. Yeah. Um, and that's something I think the offense has to change because they got Darnell Washington, who's pretty much eight feet tall yeah. um, and, and a great target. And, and then you've got Brock Bowers coming in from Napa. California. Um, it's just one of those puzzling things as to a team that likes to play a tight formation, run the football, play power football, just doesn't utilize the tight end as much as they should. Yeah, I mean, in Washington is, you know, he is such a big target, and, you know, he was so hyped up before they brought, you know, before he got to Athens that, you know, you just thought that he would change the game, so to speak, at the, wide, uh, at the tight end position for Georgia. And I don't, you know, I don't understand why the ball hasn't been thrown to him, yeah. you know, as much. I mean, you get the guy, I mean, if he actually catches the ball, bringing him down, you know, he's like a refrigerator out there. So, I don't understand why that hasn't happened more, yeah. you know, personally. And then, you know, mentioning. T- uh, six, seven. Yes. Uh, he y- doesn't have great hands, though. That's the one right. thing. Right. Yeah. Like, so, so some of the things you might see in practice that, that we don't get to see. Right. Uh, you know, you have to build up that trust level. Mm-hmm. But I think JT sees the field so much better than Stetson right. or Mathis or anybody else that right. that's going to start to develop where you're going to see check downs and, and, and things that uh, he's going to go through progressions. Whereas the other guys were like, First read falls out. Well, I think you know. I think Todd Monken is is just kind of feeling his way. You know, he's new at Georgia. I think he's kind of feeling his way, and I really think, and I've never heard this expressed by anyone, but I really think that uh, he really wasn't sold on the uh, the quarterback position until JT uh, 
Daniel step forward. Uh, I, I, but I think he's feeling his way, and I think from from this point on, I think the Mississippi State game just really kind of brought him uh, to where he needed to be as the offensive coordinator. Is is that kind of your sense with him that he was kind of feeling his way through the Georgia way of playing a game? Yeah, I mean they wanted to open it up a little bit more. Um, you know, Jamie Newman was supposed to be the quarterback, and right. he's a dual threat guy, big physical kid who can he could run zone read with. He could do a lot of different things with it. So I think they were preparing to open the offense a little bit that way. I mean, Georgia's not ready to go to a, a spread or run and shoot or anything like that. But with Newman, they could work more off of play action. They could use him as a weapon in the running game. But he's, you know, he opted out. So then, you know, you look at Daniels and he's not ready. You know, they cleared him medically, but physically, clearly he was not ready right, to right. play. Otherwise, he would have. And then you're down to you know, trouble. I mean, Dwan Mathis is, to me, more of a wide receiver. I thought he would end up going off to Georgia to play wide receiver because he's a very good athlete but not a great quarterback as far as accuracy. Uh, And Stetson Bennett, I mean, you know, this is a a two-star kid that doesn't have the arm strength for the SEC. So, you know, he was working around severe limitations at the quarterback position. Now he's not. J.T. Daniels is healthy. He was a five-star uh, he's got great field vision, but he's also got touch, and, and, and he can throw the ball downfield, which is key. So you're starting to see it all come together. Um, just unfortunate that the season started the way it did because Georgia's obviously eliminated from the playoff. Right. Um, but now you're starting to see these guys gel and develop, and if you can get a few more weapons for Daniels, uh, which they do have in this class, uh, I think next year is going to be a much better season. Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned a moment ago, uh, Tyree West. Can you talk about him? I mean, you, you know, just your your general assessment on him specifically. And then uh, I know you mentioned Vandergriff in, in the recruiting class. Uh, could you mention something about West, what your thoughts are on West, and then also who you think is the most critical, uh, I guess, commit in this class? Yeah, the 2022 class is off to a good start. I mean, West is a uh, early decision. Everybody felt he was leaning towards Georgia, but to decide this early and come on board is going to help the rest of the class, especially in state. We just moved him from a projected strong side defensive end to a defensive tackle, and we come out with our 2022 rankings next week. And you know, he's a he's a five star caliber player. We've already got five stars on him, um, but he's going to be a disruptor from the the interior line, and that's to me that frees up everything. Uh, if you can push the pocket, but also chase the quarterback, and shoot yeah. the gap, you know, we see what, and I'm not comparing him at all to Aaron Donald, but you can see what right. one player who's dominant as a pass rusher from the interior can do for an entire team. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's the role he's going to play. Now they got Dion Bowie as well. Uh, Groves Killebrew, the defensive back from Snellville. I mean, they got four in-state kids, all of them four or five stars. So 2022 is off to a great start, but without a doubt, zero percent chance of, of argument for me Vandegrift's the most important recruit in this class in the 2021 class simply because the quarterback situation you know be careful what you wish for you get right. you get five stars in Jacob Eason you get five star in Jake Fromm you get a five star in Justin Fields clearly out of those three the best is Fields but he came last um, Eason was the starter I thought he was doing very well but he got hurt Strom took over, did great. Um, never really progressed, but was steady. 
brought him to the national title game, brought him to the SEC title game. So leadership is there. All the off-field stuff that we loved about Jake Fromm was, you know, was legit and right. true. Um, and then Fields, you try to mix in there, but they used him as a runner, and mm-hmm. that's not what he wants to do. So you lose Fields, Fromm goes, Eason's transferred, and you're left with this quarterback mess. Mm-hmm. Now, you got JT, uh, but Vandegrift starts rebuilding that, uh, you know, progression of quarterbacks. You see what Clemson does with similar situations. They right. had right. four and five stars. And, that's right. Uh, you know, they, they they handled it better because Trevor Lawrence was the better player. They put him in there. Um, it wasn't, you know, it was a very difficult decision for Davos when he could do that. Now he's going to hand off to DJ Longalele, who will hand off to another quarterback. you got to space him out. All so right. Brock will, you know, get in there and compete next season. He's a huge kid. Like, very physically. He reminds me of Brady Quinn from Notre Dame a long time ago. Right. Uh, right. Physically big kid. They'll put up numbers. Uh, yeah, and he's had a great season this year. Yeah, and maybe learn under JT and, and, and then be the guy after JT. JT, yeah. I think, will have the one more year then go off to the pros, and then you got Brock. And then you just got to continue that succession. So, you know, Brock is important. He's got to be happy. He's got to be developed. Um, and, and, and if not, then you got a huge gap. And, and I don't mean to, like, skip over the Carson back to the world. Right. Um, but, you know, you can kind of tell who, from the high school level, I mean, Carson Beck didn't have great numbers in high school and wasn't a guy that, that he was a borderline four-star guy. Um, it'd take a lot of development. He's sort of like a two, three-year down the line type of guy. Uh, but Brock is a guy who can come in. If JT gets hurt, Brock can come in and play, and, yeah. and he's the most important. I got That's you. good. Now, the early signing period is December 16th through the 18th. Which is kind of weird because, speaking of Georgia, the Missouri game was canceled, of course, with Georgia because of the COVID-19 situation. It will be played either, apparently, December 12th or 19th. As far as I know, the SEC has not made a final determination on that. you you got to think that uh, Kirby Smart and the staff is hoping that uh, they'll be playing the 12th so they can focus fully on recruiting during that early uh, signing period, most of the kids will sign during the early signing period across the country, won't they? Yeah. Uh, right now, there's 19 kids in this Georgia class. I would expect all 19 of those commitments to sign. Um, you know, th- nothing's changed. If there were, there were a situation where the NCAA said the dead period is still till the end of the year, and we'll, we'll figure it out after that, then... Some kids would hold off, but the dead period goes till April 15th now. There's no hope of official visits. Um, you can try to get to places on your own, uh, but again, most of the visits you see in December and January are, you know, basketball visits. You go through a basketball right. game because football's over, and, um, and that's even harder to right. me to, to, to get to because it's more of a confined space, and, and the in-home visits don't exist, which really changes the whole dynamic of recruiting so you'll get to see some kids you know nylon green is making his decision and i think they'll sign early uh davian sorry is making his decision soon he's from uh florida uh he'll he'll sign early you know mason smith the defensive tackle from louisiana Corey foreman the defensive end from california big name guy i think most of those guys will sign early now a few of them are announcing on january 2nd uh I guess the, the NBC game, which was canceled along with the Under Armour game, 
they're having a show where kids will declare. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to see some secret signings. Yeah. And I'm doing that in, in air yeah. quotes where kids will sign December 16th <laughs> and then try to keep it quiet until January 2nd. But yeah. the word gets out. Uh, but 85% of kids sign in the early signing period over the last two years. And I don't see that change. All right. Well, it's great to have Mike Farrell from Rivals.com with us. He's the national recruiting analyst and director for Rivals.com. We're talking some recruiting. We're going to take a break. We'll be back, and uh, Mike will join us, and we'll make some quick predictions on some SEC games coming up this weekend. So stay tuned to today's Sports Report with Matthew Hall. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment with more of today's Sports Report with Matthew Hall. Hall Shots Photography, featuring the work of award-winning photographer and Georgia football lover Matthew Hall, is a proud sponsor of today's Sports Report. While Matthew is at home on the sidelines of Sanford Stadium taking beautiful action shots of another Bulldog victory, he also specializes in other types of photography, including landscapes, portraits, weddings, and promotional photos to help promote your business or your special cause. Matthew is also a trained videographer and he loves capturing those always exciting high-in-the-sky drone shots. Matthew has been the camp photographer for various football camps, including those featuring Roquan Smith, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and other Bulldog greats. You can check out Matthew's work on Facebook at Hall Shots Photo and on Instagram at Hall Shots Photography. You can contact Matthew at hallshotsphotography at gmail.com. That's hallshotsphotography at gmail.com. Matthew has a camera, and he'll travel to get that right shot for you. Contact him today. Happy Sewing and Quilting is a proud sponsor of today's sports report. Happy Sewing and Quilting offers custom and professionally made items that will help you show your bulldog pride. How about a custom and professionally made 100% cotton face mask featuring beautiful bulldog fabric? Of course, everyone in your family will need more than one. And just like the bulldogs on game day, Happy Sewing and Quilting can and will deliver. From custom made face masks to baby bibs to tote bags and more, Happy Sewing and Quilting will help you get ready for game day or any day you want to let the world know you love the Georgia Bulldogs. If you're interested in items featuring the colors and logos of other teams, or if you're interested in non-sports related items that meet your taste and show off your style, Happy Sewing and Quilting will be more than happy to help you. For more information, you can contact Happy Sewing and Quilting at ahall1921 at hotmail.com. That's A-H-A-L-L-1921 at hotmail.com. Contact them today. Thank you for joining us, and welcome back to today's Sports Report with Matthew Hall. Yes, sir, and we're back on our program, and uh, we're so happy to have Mike Farrell with us from Rivals.com, and uh, we're talking some recruiting. Now we're going to talk about games coming up this weekend, make some uh, predictions, and uh, we'll we'll see how we do. Mike, we're, we're not too good at predicting, to be honest with you, around here. We, we kind of miss and hit. But we have a lot of fun with it, and uh, we're glad you're going to be helping us with this. Now, this coming uh, this coming Saturday, it'll be Georgia against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is 0-8 on the year. Georgia, of course, coming in at number 8 now in the rankings. Uh, it's 6-2 on the year. And it'll be at 7.30 at Sanford Stadium. It'll be on the SEC Network. 
and uh, it'll uh, be senior night. Uh, of course, uh, Georgia will be recognizing their seniors. Some of them may be back. Now, some interesting notes about the game quickly. Sarah Fuller, uh, the goaltender for the uh, Vanderbilt's women's soccer team, uh, actually kicked off in the second half last week. The first uh, woman to take part in a conference game, an SEC conference game uh, in, in SEC history. She kicked off. Uh, she'll be uh, on the roster. She'll be in Athens and may get the opportunity, who knows, to try a field goal. Also, uh, Derek Mason, the, uh, the coach for uh, Vanderbilt, of course, uh, a tough, tough tenure at Vanderbilt, uh, was uh, let go as head coach. And the offensive coordinator, Todd Finch, is the interim head coach. So we have Georgia against Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, one one bright spot for the Commodores is true freshman quarterback Kenny Seals. He's completing 65.9% of his passes, has 16 over 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns, but nine interceptions uh, so far this season. So I'm going to go with that. You, know, you got to go with Georgia. I'm going to go with Georgia over uh, this, uh, over Vanderbilt. Why do you think, Mike, in this game? This one isn't very difficult to pick. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. I think if, if you look at the uh, if you look at the line, it's difficult to pick. But it, right. it, it's straight up. I mean, Georgia's going to absolutely destroy yeah. them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. What, you know, what I, is I the... like Todd Fitch. I yeah. like Todd Fitch. Uh, yeah. He's a good coach, and I, I hope I hope he has some competitive games and gets a shot at right. that job because he's been around for a long time. Yeah. I, I, what is the line? I, I hadn't seen the. I saw it one time, like thirty-six points. What is it now? Do you know? Yeah, it's thirty-five and a half. Thirty-five and a half. Wow. Okay. And you just don't know because Vanderbilt. You know. You never they, know. They, they they gave Florida trouble, right? Uh, comparatively, you know, they were also thirty-plus underdogs and, and covered that. So you just don't know uh, because right. you know Georgia's going to roll over them, and then you know the second team will be in and. The garbage points could be scored, but this is going to be a Georgia blowout. <laughs> what do you think, Matthew? Yeah, Are you going? To, you know, I'm we've been we've been pulling for Vanderbilt every week I, on this program. I'm going to go with my friend Mike. I'm going to say Georgia's team rolls. Yeah, we can. We can. We just can't go against Georgia in this game. All right, Texas A&M at Auburn. Texas A&M six and one on the year. Auburn five and three could be an interesting uh, game. Texas A&M has won its last two games. Auburn lost big last week to Alabama. Uh, oh, Texas A&M at Auburn. Uh, you know, I'm, I I got to go with Texas A&M. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, and, you know, you always expect Texas A&M to stub their toe. And they're yeah. number five in the country right now and on the verge of, you know, being one of those potential playoff teams. Um, but the defense at Texas A&M does not get enough attention. It is one of the top three or four defenses in the country. That defensive line is just ridiculous. Uh, and they're going to make – things very difficult for Bo Nix, who's a talented kid. Um, Kellen Mond is solid. He's not making mistakes. He's still not overly accurate. Um, but Isaiah Spiller in the running game should handle Auburn. I think Auburn, after that demoralizing Iron Bowl loss, uh, may come out here and, and, and lay an egg. And, and A&M's a little bit sick because they didn't blow out LSU. Uh, but, I, you know, I think it'll be a two-touchdown game, and I think Texas A&M will win. Do you think, Gus, he's always on the hot seat, it seems like, in Auburn. Do you think he's it's getting hotter for Gus at uh, Auburn? It's, it's one of those, like, Tommy Bowden for years at Clemson was on the hot seat. Yeah. For years. Every year his house was up for sale, and he was yeah. going to be fired. And they kept him, kept him, kept him. And then they finally made the decision, got rid of him, and, and got Dabo. And, and obviously, 
fell into a great situation and got lucky because he's a he's an amazing coach. I think it's time for Auburn to move on. I don't like the offense. I don't like what Gus does with the offense. I don't think there's enough weapons for a guy like Nick. And uh, yeah, he's on he's on the hot seat. His buyout is ridiculous, of course. Yeah. You know, last year with the Arkansas job was open. They gave him even more money. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they could afford the buyout. So I think right. he stays, but they're kind of going to tread water as long as he's there, it seems. Yeah. Okay, Matthew, what do you think? A&M or Auburn? Gus Malzahn, like I said, the buyout, just like he said, is ridiculous. But I think if it was not, Malzahn would already be gone. So I'm going with Texas A&M. All right, Arkansas at Missouri. This game was supposed to take place last Saturday. COVID within the Hawks program forced the game to be postponed. Mizzou instead faced Vanderbilt, and they won 41 to nothing. Uh, Arkansas took the week off. So you have Arkansas 3-5. and five. Missouri four and three. Uh, both of these teams, I think, uh, have had better than expected seasons. Uh, this will be a noon game on the SEC Network. I think it's going to be a really good game. My heart is with Arkansas uh, in this game, but I I don't know if they can go in and beat Missouri. Missouri's been playing really well, so I'm going to have to go with Mizzou. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, this is a real interesting game for for two teams that you don't. Know, aren't getting a lot of attention in the SEC. Uh, this will be a fun game. And I, I do have Missouri as well. I, I remember when the schedule came out, this, the this SEC-only schedule came out, um, you know, and then talking just briefly through text with Eli Drinkwitz and, and Sam Pittman. They both got absolutely screwed in this, in this yeah. schedule. I mean, yeah, they, they were – they looked like it was going to be potential 0-8 seasons, and – They've both done a tremendous job, right. um, you know, 0-9 season. Uh, I like the defense for Arkansas. Uh, Felipe Franks has played better. But Missouri at home, uh, the way they've been playing, the confidence they have, uh, and also their defense has been very, very good lately. So I'm going to go with Missouri. All right. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, I love Sam Pittman. I mean, you know, and I think he's done a good job considering the schedule that he's gotten uh, this season. But with Missouri looking the way they looked last week and being on a roll, playing at home, Arkansas suspect, you know, uh, I'm going with Mizzou on this for sure. All right. Florida at Tennessee. This will be the 330 game on CBS. Florida, of course, could clinch the SEC East title with a win. Uh, the Vols are losing, apparently, uh, their, their starting quarterback, who's currently in quarantine for the Vols. So, uh, true freshman Harrison Bailey may get the start. Uh, the Vols have 16 players currently in quarantine due, uh, due to a contact tracing via the Auburn game. So, you have Florida 7-1 and one at Tennessee 2-5. and five. And, of course, you got to go with Florida. And speaking of hot seats, uh, Jeremy Pruitt obviously on the hot seat, but... He got a big contract extension at the beginning of the season. So, again, the buyout thing. Obviously, you got to go with uh, with Florida. Uh, so, I, I got to go with the Gators on this one. How about it, Mike? Yeah, they're, they're going to destroy them. And and this is, a you know, some, one of those subset rivalries. Um, you know, Florida-Georgia is the big rivalry, but Tennessee and Florida do not like each other at all. So, I think this is going to be an opportunity for Dan Mullen to – put up a big victory um you know it's time for harrison bailey to 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 learn under fire it's going to be ugly but this is the future you know it's a five-star quarterback and he's got to start you know building confidence of his teammates um but florida's going to win this game 
I mean, again, Florida over the last couple games should have blown out both of their opponents, and they did, but not to the extent people expected. Um, and believe it or not, the, the offense, even though Trask is the leader in my book for Heisman and, and uh, Kyle Pitts is you know putting up amazing numbers, I think the offense is being uh, criticized the last couple weeks. Um, and I think they're going to put up 60. I think they're going to just destroy them. And yeah. Pruitt's safe to me, um, you know, because, yeah, things were better in the Butch Jones era by this time, but things got really bad. Right. And I think Pruitt will bring them back to, you know, some sort of respectability next season. Uh, and I think Philip Palmer likes Pruitt, so I don't think he's going to get fired, but they're definitely going to lose this game. Yeah. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you think? Florida, Tennessee. Yeah, Trask. Uh, Trask, you know, he rolls just like he has. I mean, Heisman front runner, no question about it. Been really a stud this season. I mean, I'm actually, you know, it almost reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow, uh, you know, a Joe Burrow-like season where Joe Burrow, you know, really wasn't that great, for, you know, one season and then all of a sudden – Everything he threw was completed. And I think Trask is on that same kind of path. Uh, Tennessee, nah, you know, not even going to go there. I mean, then they have 16 guys in quarantine due to contract uh, contact tracing. You know, there's no question. Florida rolls, Trask rolls, and Mullen runs the score up. Yeah, South Carolina at Kentucky. South Carolina just is a, it seems to me, a demoralized team after having their uh, coach fired and, I, you know, they've they've had a lot of turmoil on that team. Uh, South Carolina at Kentucky. South Carolina two and seven. Kentucky three and six. Seven thirty game on uh, the SEC Network. I think the only ones who will really watch this game are people from South Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, but uh, you got to go with Kentucky on uh, this one. So I'll uh, I'll take the Wildcats. What about it, Mike? Yeah, I mean this is going to be an ugly game offensively. Both these struggled all season. Um, but South Carolina, as you mentioned, I mean, when when Champ was fired, he had players opt out. Um, the team just sort of quit, and I, I just think this is a team that needs new leadership and a, and a complete reboot, and just limp to the finish and get it over with. Yeah. But Kentucky should win this game by a couple touchdowns. Yeah. All right, Matthew. What do yeah, you think? I mean, Kentucky definitely here. I mean, I like South Carolina. I think that you know, with Muschamp being booted. And then they, and then several players opted out, uh, you know, you know, directly thereafter that, I and mean, that just it just added insult to injury at the coaching position to have players opt out and leave right away too. When you lose your coach, um, they haven't played well. Uh, Kentucky at home, I'm going with, with the home team. Okay, and and at the beginning of the season, uh, the next game and our last game that we'll look at seemed to be the game of the year, perhaps. Another one of our game of the century, but no, it's not going to be that. Number one, Alabama, eight and eight and zero at LSU, three and four. Disappointing season, of course, obviously for LSU. Nick Saban is feeling better, and uh, we understand. After battling COVID nineteen, uh, he hopes to be on the sidelines this weekend when uh, Alabama takes on LSU. Uh, the Crimson Tide have been dominant all season. Uh, they won last week, of course, over. Auburn 42 to 13. So, you know, you, you got to go with Alabama. But, Mike, my, my question is could this turn into a, a, maybe a competitive game? Uh, could LSU get its back up? What do you think? No chance. No chance. Uh, 
Alabama's going to blow him out. Uh, yeah. You know, Terrence Marshall just opted out. He's their, you know, best target at wide receiver. The two quarterbacks are sort of rotating in there, the true freshmen. Neither of them are ready to play yet, um, you know, kind of thrust into a situation that, that they're not ready for without a lot of weapons. Um, they lost so many guys. I think they lost 20 guys that are currently on NFL rosters from last year's team, which is amazing. Yeah. The defense has been a bit of a mess. They played okay against a and they, they put in a spirited effort. Uh, Derek Stingling's back, so that shuts down one side of the field, sort of. But there's no way between the running of Najee Harris and the passing options that Mac Jones has, they're going to win this game. Nick Saban's going to want to win this game by 40, 50 points yeah. at LSU. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what he's going to want to do. Yeah. All right, Matthew, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, my answer would be Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and the Alabama wide receivers. Yes. No question. LSU, there's absolutely zero question, and there's no chance for LSU to be in this game. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up our program today. Mike Farrell from Rivals.com has been our guest today. Mike, uh, we love having you on our program. Uh, we, we love your knowledge and just the way you are able to uh, communicate some good information for us. And uh, we thank you so much for carving out some time to be on today's Sports Report uh, with Matthew Hall. It's it's just been our great pleasure to have you uh, with us, and uh, we hope you stay safe these days, and we'll, we'll be following you and, uh, and, and knowing that we can trust what uh, the information you have to share with us is good information. So, Mike, thank you for being with us today. All right. Thanks for having me on, and I appreciate all the support you got. I'm trying to build the Instagram, Rivals Godfather, and you guys have been awesome in helping me. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. Anytime. Thank you so much, and stay safe up in Connecticut. Well, that's going to wrap up our program. Any final words, Matthew? Yeah, I just want to uh, say thank you to Mike Farrell, uh, you know, National Recruiting Analyst and Director for Rivals.com, and just thank him for his time today, letting us pick his brain, and for, uh, you know, doing the predictions for, uh, you know, talking to some recruiting, doing the predictions for this upcoming week. And, you know, as always, go dogs. All right. Uh, today's Sports Report with Matthew Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. The executive producer of today's Sports Report is Trip Block, our technical advisor is uh, Garrett Carter. The director and board operator for today's program has been Charles Graham. To contact Hall Sports Communications, you can email us at chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. We thank our sponsors, Hall Shots Photography and Happy Sewing and Quilting, for making our program possible today. If you're interested in being a sponsor for our program, contact us today at chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Thank you for joining us for our program today, and we look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, uh, be safe out there, and may God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of today's Sports Report with Matthew Hall. We thank our many fine sponsors for making our program possible. Be sure to join us for our next program as we keep you up to date with University of Georgia football and more. Until then, be safe and go dogs. What?